This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today, we have another amazing industry rock star guest here on the show. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself in anticipation, who's he got this week? Well, we have the amazing Kane Minkus. And obviously, we don't have his wife with him, with us today, but his wife is also an industry rock star. They are business partners, partners in crime, whatever it is. You may have seen them on the speaker circuit, whether it be an online summit, whether it be uh, in person through places like Success Resources, which are one of the biggest events uh, promoters in the world. Uh, they've actually done um, uh, some great events actually during COVID and stuff because I've been following them, not as in like, like you, you know, kind of like stalking them, but you know what I'm saying, right? So they've actually impacted. So I just want to qualify that real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they've actually I've been uh, in the backyard. I've been watching them from. <laughs> absolutely, I've had the spy on the wall. Right, just wanted to give you some context, guys. Um, but in seriousness, though, you've impacted an amazing amount of lives. Three million people online, and over six hundred thousand people in person through their live events. Now, what they're specializing more specifically. As some of the key sub topics that we love talking about on the, here on the show, business strategy, marketing, right, branding, but also technology. So that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today around AI. Um, and also what I was going to say to you, uh, between them as well, they've also had uh, over 40 companies. They've operated and owned 40, company, uh, 40 companies with a turnover of a half a million well, $500 million, that's half a billion dollars. And they work with brands such as Sony, Apple, Universal, Microsoft, and many others. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking, I'm actually going to get some context from Kane around his experience in, well, he's been in business for a long time, like me, right? So we're going to be talking a little bit about some of, uh, some of the uh, stories around you know, when he first started his first entrepreneurial story and vehicle, I'm sure we, we're going to talk a little bit oh, about way that. Back, huh? Way, way, way back. Way <laughs> we go back in the archives there. Um, we're also going to be talking a little bit about AI. So AI, we're going to be focusing very specifically on AI, guys, uh, today. We're going to be talking a little bit about how you can leverage it, how you can bring it into your business, what sort of impact, what sort of opportunities are out there. But also, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the fear factors around AI and, you know, how to get around it and that kind of stuff. We've got loads of things to talk about. Anyway. Enough chit chat from me. Kane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. And uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to share our message and our knowledge with uh, us. So thanks for having us. Awesome, man. Awesome. It's great to have you. And uh, want a big, uh, we're going to big, big shout out to Mr. Daniel Wood, by the way, because uh, Dan uh, introduced us. And uh, and even though I have been stalking yep. you in a good way, of course, um, Dan, I've known for many years, but he's a, he's a cool guy over in Sweden and uh, always loves to help people. So we're a big shout out to him anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, this is, this is quite a, kind of a fascinating conversation because we I mean, we've been playing in very similar spaces for at least 
since 2019, 2020, uh, online mm-hmm. summits and COVID. Oh my God, you know what I mean? That's like kind of archive type of thing. But love to kind of like delve in and get some understanding because I mean, you've like owned and operated and sold 40 companies, a lot of companies, right? In your years and whatever it is. Tell us a little bit about like, where did you kind of, where did the whole kind of uh, appetite for entrepreneurship come from? Like, when did it start for you? You know, when was, what was your kind of experience around that? Sure. Well, I started uh, very early. So I started as a musician at five years old and uh, I grew up in a pretty conservative family. <clears throat> so I was a piano player and singer. I started uh, performing and singing and entertaining by five years old. And uh, my father was a financial officer of publicly held companies. And he didn't want to have a broke musician's son. So he used to say, there's no more music, so figure something else out. So he'd say, if you want to be successful, you go to school, you get your good grades, you go on to college, you get your degrees, you go to graduate school, you go to work for somebody, you work your way up. And then when you're 65, you can do whatever you want to do with your music, right? And that was kind of that conversation. So my dad was a very, very, uh, you know, very successful executive uh, at companies and uh, was always miserable. <laughs> I just noticed those two things seemed to get together. And I remember him, uh, you know, waking up in the mornings and and putting on a suit and tie and going off to work and being kind of grumpy and coming home and being grumpy. And he was just constantly grumpy. And so um, I kind of put the pieces together pretty early on thinking, well, I don't think money and happiness have anything to do with each other. So I'm going to, if I had to focus on money or happiness, it's five years older. I was like, I'm going to focus on happiness. <laughs> so I got into music and I got very, very deep into music. Um, and actually I loved, you know, a lot of the European uh, and uh, British bands and, and uh, you know, it's big Genesis and Pink Floyd and Yes and you know, all those great bands at that time. Um, in fact, last night I was doing some late night work here on top and I was listening to some old Genesis records. <laughs> I love my was like, Classic. <laughs> love it. Um, and so I kept going and, and music. And uh, by about 12, 13 years old, you know, I, I wanted to perform much. I was performing, a, you know, I started performing very young that I started throwing concerts. I started throwing benefit concerts because I thought, well, that's a great way if I don't have a big brand to be able to get people in a room. Mm-hmm. And so by about 14 years old, I think I threw my first concert, 14 years old, um, where I was performing with a band and we were raising money for, for charities. And it was, it was a good start. We had about a thousand people there. And I kept doing that uh, for years is where I was throwing big concerts. And we ended up with two, 3000 people at these shows every year um, and doing these benefit things. So I kind of got an early taste of like, what it would be like to just kind of put together my own thing. Right. And, and I know entrepreneurship to me is like, I think a lot of people have like entrepreneurship is this big thing where you go out in the world. And to me, it's just like, how do I get my own thing happening? Like, how do I just get <laughs> people in a room and perform for them and have some fun? Right. So it's always, and that's always been, I think even to today, Adam, you know, it's like, how do I get people on a webinar and be able to tell my stories and share my thing? Right. Right. Um, and so I started pretty early. And so I started touring at that time and performing. And I, I was in production and everything. And I, Ended up getting, uh, I, I went to school, a school called Berkeley School of Music, uh, in a Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And I got drafted into Sony to be essentially an engineer, record producer, co producer for them. So I went to New York and I started working at Sony at about 1999. And I was uh, doing a lot of engineering and editing and, and mixing and arranging and co producing. And I was working with people like Mariah Carey and Dion, Jessica Simpson, and Ricky Martin, and all these pop stars 25 years ago. In the meantime, though, something interesting happened, which really I think became the catalyst. And it's very apropos what's going on in AI, which mm-hmm. is in 1999, I started at Sony and I was working in these huge uh, mixing rooms where you had million and a half dollar consoles and you had, it was 50,000 a day or more to be in these rooms and the record companies were paying money out the nose to be able to have records made. And right. at that time, there was something that happened in the technology world is they, for the first time, put these digital audio workstations onto laptops. 
So right now we have things like, uh, uh, I, not iMovie, a garage band, right? Which people just go, yeah, it's garage band. It comes in for free. Like, who cares? I don't even use it. Well, that was like a revelation for the music industry 25 years ago. I love garage band. Still ago. use it, by the way, ladies and gents, by the way, just still use it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you may edit your podcast on it or, I mean, it's, it's a great tool. In fact, it's a precursor to what's called Logic, which mm -hmm. is actually was an Apple, which wasn't an act. It got acquired by Apple. Um, it was started by a company called eMagic. And we were, we used to score films on, on logic, right? So, I mean, it's a very, it's actually a professional tool, just kind of simplified a little bit for the home user, but it's actually very professional tools. And that's the thing is you can do and create all sorts of professional output on it, right? So I saw that happen. And uh, in 2002, that started coming out and I took my laptop to the, well, I took the, that's how we had like, you know, whatever it's archaic you know, products and computers. And I took my, my computer to them and I said, look, um, I think we should be using these digital audio workstations. And uh, they said, get out of here, kid. Michael Jackson's never going to make a record in a bedroom <laughs> with a laptop. Okay. Mariah Carey's never going to make a, you know, she's never going to sing in a closet, some closet with a mic. Like, get out of here, kid. We're not, we're not, we're not folding it into the workflow. And they laughed at me. They said, never going to happen. And I said, I think you're wrong. So I left. I quit Sony and I said, I'm going to go do my own thing. Um, hmm. And I moved out to California, Silicon Valley, and I launched our first production company with a friend of mine utilizing these new technology tools. Cause I said, look, we can do this much cheaper. Uh, we can do it much faster and anybody can do it now. It wasn't just reserved for the, you know, it was kind of the old white, you know, male dominated industry at that time. Right. You know, if you had to be in the record business for 10, 20 years before you got a chance to sit at the Mexican, I was like, I don't want to wait around. I want to <laughs> go faster, further now. That was always my thing. Now, now it has to be done now. It's going to be done right. Okay. <laughs> so I moved out to California and I started sleeping on a friend's couch because I was totally broke. I'd spent all my money moving out there. Um, and uh, we started our first production business. And we worked hard at it for six months. And you know what happened in six months, Adam? Yep, it failed. Oh, no, it took <laughs> off. It took off. There you go. It did nothing. It, it did nothing. It, 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 it didn't fail or take off. It just did nothing. Okay. It did absolutely nothing. We weren't getting anywhere. We, were, we, were, we didn't have no idea uh, how to make a business. So um, at some point I said, this, we got to do something. So I ended up getting invited to a business seminar of a guy in San Francisco. And I went to his event. It's just a free event. So I didn't think anything of it. I thought, eh, what's, you know, what's this guy going to try to sell me and all that? Turned out it was brilliant. This guy's name was Brian. Uh, and uh, he was brilliant. And he he said, I just sold my media company in LA. It was top like three or four media companies, in, independent production companies in LA. And I moved back up here to coach with my parents who are professional business coaches. They've been in business coaching for decades. They've been coaching top CEOs. So I went up to him and I said, I would love for you to help us on this business. And he says, what's the business? And I opened up my 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 laptop and I said, here, we're, we're using a new uh, production technology. It's new technology to, uh, to help uh, produce things. And he goes, I heard about this as I was selling my, my company was just coming in. He says, this is awesome. You got to get this in front of some big people. I said, good. Do you know anybody? And he says, yes, I know Steven Spielberg. Is he big enough? And so I went, yeah. So he got us in touch with his production team and we showed them what we were doing. And they said, look, we're working on a film right now called the last samurai. And, uh, we're just about to do the localization, which means in film, when you localize something, you translate it. Right. So right. And if it's, you know, so, you know, it was Tom Cruise in that film and they said, look, we're just about to do localization, but we want to do something special. We don't want Tom to look like he's dubbed in French, Italian, German, and Spanish. <laughs> we want to look. We want to. We want to look like he's speaking French, Italian, German, Spanish. But you can't right. get that from just being in the studio. You have to get. You get that from editing from from guys like us who are taking the the audio files and we would edit the heck out of it. But it's expensive. They'd have to right. go into studios and spend fifty, a hundred thousand dollars a day getting that work done. They said Man. if you can get this done much cheaper, you get the gig. So they gave us a five minute little video piece. They gave us the French, Italian, German, and Spanish. And we worked through the night 
to use AI tools at that time. We were using AI tools back 25 years ago, stretching wow. sound waves, cleaning artifacts, all these things that were built into the system. So they weren't open architecture like they are now, but they were built into the systems and we were using them. And we made Tom Cruise look like he was speaking French, Italian, German, and Spanish in those mm. five minutes. So when he said good morning and the word was buongiorno, he looked like he was speaking Italian. So we handed it back to them team, the, their, uh, Steven's team, and they were so excited and Steven was so excited. He got it and he said, you get the gig. And so we worked on The Last Samurai as one of our first uh, productions for that company. Amazing. So if you saw that movie in French, Italian, German, Spanish, you star. <laughs> <laughs> and then he introduced us to Robert Zemeckis, who was working on an animated film called The Polar Express. Mm -hmm. And uh, he then hired us to do the same thing, which was a, a hair easier because it was animation, but we still had to use those tools to, to get in there and do it. And he got so excited because it was so inexpensive, so fast and so well done. They never expected that to come out of a studio with a couple of kids, right? That he introduced us to George Lucas. And uh, from George Lucas, we exploded. I mean, he, we did a thousand projects with him. We did video games. We did animations, short films, big films, TV shows, everything. You, you name it, records and so forth. Um, and by the time I was 25, 26 years old, I was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire doing this production work. We've been top fifth, top five uh, company in the world uh, producing. And all those other businesses that doubted, that were skeptical, that were resistant, that said, you can't, it can't be done. It's not going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to do it. They all went out of business because they could wow. not keep up with the technology change and the impact it made. And wow. that's what's going on right now with AI. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as we saw AI become a more open architecture, we were all over it a year ago. I mean, we've, I've been talking about AI since 2016 at conferences when people were like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> But we were talking about it, you know, as we were way ahead, way ahead of the curve because I know what it means to be ahead of the curve and an early adopter in technologies that are disrupting industries. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we've been doing on this. So from just to kind of fast forward real quick then is um, I actually started then about 24 other companies in Silicon Valley, Edutech, MediaTek, all these different types of, uh, you know, FinTech and all that. Uh, a lot were seven figures, eight figure uh, in, in, in marks a year. We were, you know, did hundreds of millions of dollars. And then at 29 years old, I kind of retired. I sold a bunch of, of companies. I was worth tens of millions of dollars. And I, I started teaching entrepreneurs how to do the same thing. How do you get it going fast? And I was fusing together personal development work that I've been doing. You know, I, I started at, you know, personal development companies and training companies and NLP and all these things I was studying on the side. Um, then I was also fusing that all together with strategies, techniques, and tools. And it just blew up. Uh, Tony Robbins, uh, Team Sauce, they invited us to, to tour with them. We Richard Branson's group Sauce, they invited us to come to speak at events with him. Then we had, you know, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki invested in our company. And before we knew it, we were in a stadium just about every other month or every month uh, speaking to 5, 10, 20,000 people and running seminars in 32 countries and just constantly on planes flying everywhere and teaching and training. And it was really fun. And then what you said is COVID shut all that down. I mean, we were literally just doing deals with Oprah and we had just signed Simon Sinek to a, a tour and uh, we had just filled up stadiums in the Middle East for Tony Robbins and brought him in for events. And then everything stopped because of COVID. And so we had to pivot online. And again, that was another great experience of things change. The industry gets disrupted, technologies tech over. We all got into Zoom or other technologies that we started using. We started integrating a bunch of simple technologies into our company. And we did in the first year, 2020, we did $9 million in sales from our guest room with a camera and a couple of pieces of technology and a couple of you know computers. And so I, I've always learned that when technology is changing, you need to be on it fast because wealth changes hands at those same moments. Agreed. Agreed. Some good context there. I love that. And, you know, I guess that kind of springs a question to me because obviously you've been sharing stages. You're in the personal development space, right? You're working with kind of the SME entrepreneurial market. But I mean, what's really, I guess my question to you is like, because you've been in what the AI space for a long time 
and working with Silicon Valley and that kind of stuff. Did I mean, did that kind of did you kind of think to yourself, should I stay in my lane or should I kind of like move towards an industry which was at probably at the time you're not so familiar, but then I guess you have been working in the industry because you're an entrepreneur yourself. I mean, my question to you really was, did it ever kind of occur to you to just stay in your lane and just stay in the software tech specific Silicon Valley industry kind of lane, if you like, or well, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's an interesting metaphor that you make. And when you think about how we drive now, we may drive a bit differently in America. Right. <laughs> you do. I, I drive in Italy. I get a they're lot crazy. of from the other drivers. They, cra- they crazy. <laughs> they're like, ay, 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 mamma mia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I may, I'll, I'll relate this metaphor maybe to American driving, which is we change lanes a lot. <laughs> yeah, you do. And we're constantly looking for which lane should we be in to get there faster uh, you know, well, fat, this is called faster. We want to get there faster, better, cheaper, everything. Right. And right. so, uh, I have never, I've never felt like staying in a lane if the traffic is slowing down and I'm just sitting there is the right choice. I mean, if you're in the speedy lane, you keep speeding, right. You stay in your lane, sure. but if, if you feel like things have slowed down or if you're bored or if you want to, then change lane. Um, and so that's what would always happen that, you know, we built this huge media production company. We were doing, oh my gosh, uh, probably two to 300, uh, projects a month. They had 180 staff, I think, for that, that company. Uh, sound designers, uh, coders. We were building technology out of it. We had animators, animation studios. We had series. And to be honest, I got kind of bored with it. Uh, it was just kind of day in and day out. It was kind of churn and churn and burn. And I've always said to business owners, you are, you, business is about who you're becoming. If you feel like you've stopped becoming something in your business, then you're going to lose interest in it. And I've helped now countless business owners uh, transition out of their uh, current companies. So I don't you ever need to get stuck or you ever need to spend your life doing anything. I think that mm. you do it as long as it serves you and then you move on. Now, I think it's smart that when you build things, you systematize them, you put in professional management, you turn them into a business. Right. There's making money and then there's, and there's having a business and they're two different things. And of course you start by making money, but when Elon Musk starts a career, acquires a company, let's just say starts, he starts, he doesn't just think, how do I make a little bit of money? He's saying, how do I build an asset that changes the world of value of something, right? So a big difference between what we have been teaching people and I think why they love coming to us is that we don't teach people just to make money. We teach them to build sustainability. How do you make, how do you create wealth? It's not about making money, it's about creating wealth. And that's how my coaches train me from the very beginning is don't make money because things will change. Suddenly technology will come and you can't make money that way anymore. Now you're out, right? Now, no, right? And so reinventing yourself can be tough, right? Um, and so instead of having to reinvent yourself, both things that are sustainable. So, yeah, so, so you know, but but what I notice is I like to build sustainable things and I like to move on. Um, you know, the idea of multiple streams of income, I actually don't like to have to be across multiple things at the same time. It's too effortful. The switching in my brain is like, oh my gosh, I got this now. <laughs> so we do a, a totally different model. We built a portfolio model. And we have actually uh, been investing in companies, whether we're invested as advisors or invested with money. And so that way, everybody else, is, we've, you know, we're across dozens of companies now that we're invested in and we own. And we've exited 113 different companies with our with our exit company. Mm. So we like to be involved in projects, but in a very strategic way. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Some good stuff there. Um, interestingly enough, I mean... I mean, because you've got these big now in-person seminars. Yes, they're still online, of course. But what do you think are some of the questions that a lot of of attendees have? Or what do you think are kind of like some of the curiosity 
that kind of springs to mind to an attendee thinking this AI thing, you know, it's, is it one of those like, you know, like trends that kind of come in and come out or should I kind of, or do they kind of have this fear factor? I, I, I don't know what your research you've done around this, but I'd, I'd just love to know what your, what, 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 what you think in terms of psychological triggers that people, why people attend the events from an AI's perspective. Yeah. So recently we were ready to speak at business mastery with Tony Robbins. And one of the things we talked about there was exactly that is first of all, the fears that people are having around AI so that they actually um, see it from a different light. Um, right. And two was essentially, um, you know, where it's headed and, and what the whole thing is about it. So look, we focus business. So there's a lot of fear about, you know, AI and what it can do to human beings. I, I think it's a lot, I think it's in some ways unfounded, in some ways it's a good conversation, but I think it's a good conversation like, hey, how do you protect yourself in any situation, right? I mean, it's like, you don't leave yours unlocked if you feel, you know, you shouldn't do that in order to protect your family. You need to wander around worrying about someone breaking your house all day long. I don't think it's practical or useful. You know, if you start to do the statistics on some of these, they're very, very unlikely, right? It's like being in a plane crash. The, the odds are so low that <laughs> you still get on planes, you fly off the world because it's not, not like, so we look at, at at the problems from AI, especially in business, because that's not military, we're not, not in, in, I don't know, in, in security, things like, so if you talk to people in those industries, they probably have all sorts of guys falling conversations, but we just focus on how to accelerate and make businesses do three things, make revenue become profitable and be more productive. That's our focus. And right. I get that, you know, I've done hundreds of interviews now on AI technologies and entrepreneurship because we kind of become the go-to trainers in the world for entrepreneurship and uh, business growth and scaling um, on how use AI. And they said to me, like, what do you really do? What are you really doing with these AI tools? And I say, look, it's very simple. Um, I have always loved empowering the little guy, little woman, like the, the little person, the one who doesn't have big budgets, doesn't have, uh, you know, a lot of resources, the one who's working on a limited budgets, limited resources, uh, limited, you know, view and, and vintage point, limited scale and everything. And they've always wanted to be able to make a big difference. If I ask anybody in the audience, I've had 3 million people in front of us, say, how many of you want to make a big difference in the world? Who puts their hand up? Great. Folks. So I'm passionate about empowering people to make that impact. And in business, we measure the financial return because that's how we measure the impact of the business while we run ethical uh, businesses, helping people and serving people. Mm -hmm. Put those two together and I think you have a beautiful day. What do you do? You serve people and you get paid for it. That's great, right? So right. we have always focused on helping these tools help those that are the smaller. Maybe they're launching, they're just getting started um, or they're 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 new to business um, or they're scaling up their companies from, I don't know, you know, uh, 100,000 euro up to, you know, a million or 10 million, whatever. But they're able to now compete with the big enterprises that had those budgets and those teams and those resources they didn't have. That's what AI is giving entrepreneurs now. And that's a huge breakthrough and super exciting. So the reason we're super excited about it and the mission that we're on is to empower the little entrepreneurs with resources and tools and capability of the, the big boys, the big girls, like the big, the big companies, right? Right. And so that's what we're really doing with this kind of stuff. Love that. So Love that. When, they, when they come in, the first thing that they have to start to understand is what is possible? Because a lot of people don't even understand. And first of all, we always fear very big changes or disruption. Humans, humans are changed, part of our neurological wiring. When you're in an unknown area or you don't know about things or it's un, it's like it's, you're unfamiliar. The unfamiliar is we, we, we fear it. It's, just, it's a normal and natural response, right? But we need to understand it because if we just hear things, I mean, so I have a mission, as you know. Uh, and so, you know, the song uh, Superstition, from uh, Stevie Wonder, right? Stevie Wonder, yeah. superstition. <laughs> and he talks about, you know, when you believe in things that you don't understand, we suffer. <laughs> you know, and the whole, the whole message in there, like, if you 
if you don't understand things, you fear them. And when you fear them, all sorts of weird responses to them. Absolutely. All we need to do is we need to understand. So the first thing we do is we help people become aware. So I always say knowledge, they get knowledgeable on the industry. They become aware and present to what's possible. Mm-hmm. And then they can start to execute putting it in their workflows. Mm-hmm. But a lot of fears and concerns disappear once they get knowledgeable and aware. And that's where we start with them in our in our trainings and our workshops. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, you know, with a lot of trends, I mean, trends come in and out of in entrepreneurship, in business, right? I mean, you know, there's just so many to mention, but I always find that people want to like ride the wave. And then maybe a couple of years down the line, the wave tends to like die. Does that make sense? But it, they they feel like they need to know the knowledge. But some people, they may or may not apply it. So it was like kind of back in the clubhouse days. Do you remember when everyone thought that clubhouse was a big thing and everyone needed to be there? But guess what? Where is clubhouse now? It's nowhere. Well, so this is a, great, a really great point. Actually, I'm really glad you brought up clubhouse because that's actually a great point. So I, I didn't answer your question, but let me do that properly this time, which is the trends. Is this a trend? Is this going to come in and go out? Is it with investing your time, energy, and money into? The answer right. is absolutely unequivocally yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is that it's super important to be with somebody who's the main advisor in business who understands how to analyze trend things in business. And here's why. Mm-hmm. So all got clubhouse. Okay, we all got a clubhouse. And I remember within the first six weeks, I was telling my wife, this is a really strange platform to me. We're all on it like eight hours a day. We had it sitting on our desk while we were trying to get this done. We're hiding from our kids in the tree to you know, talk and have our voice heard. So true. You know, we're all world leaders and we're like hiding from our kids to be able to go 20 hours. We'd wake up in the morning and listen to it. Like, we would, you know, all that. And I was like, this is strange. And I said it within a few weeks and I was at a mastermind about three months into Clubhouse being a big deal in COVID actually, because that's when it came out. It was lovely, nothing against her, but she was presenting about, she released her new book on Clubhouse and she was talking all about Clubhouse. And all these people who really didn't understand business that well were just, you know, Clubhouse, Clubhouse, Clubhouse. And I stood up in this mastermind, there's about, I don't know, five or 600 people. They're all top, you know, executive and producer. I stood up and I said, I'm sorry, I had your presentations, lovely. You're obviously a lovely person. But can I can I challenge you? And she says, absolutely challenge me. I said, have you done the math on the cost per lead? She's like, what do you mean? I said, this requires a personal brand to invest heavy amounts of hours, generate leads. Have you done the cost per lead analysis? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great. Get all, you know, you can get leads. I was like, no, no, have you done, like, do you know what the CPL is? Because <laughs> as marketers, we're obsessed. With what's the cost per lead? What's the cost per acquisition? Like, we want to know all these things. Like, there's no way around it, right? It turns out it's the it was the most expensive cost per lead platform you could possibly wow, be on. Wow. So for me to pull in leads, even if I've got friends who had, you know, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of floors on or you know, they were like social media people and they were on it like 24 hours a day getting no sleep for weeks or months at a time. And I went, Are you serious? Do you know how expensive these leads are? So you made a couple hundred thousand dollars off a of clubhouse. Like that lead was a two or three thousand dollar cost. I sleep, hang out with the kids, do my love, and buy leads for 30 bucks online. So I didn't understand anybody's comprehension of what was going on from a business standpoint. And I think that, you know, what it was is a lot of people who had no real ability to build a brand or didn't have a lot of uh, capability voice, they found that there was no barrier to having a voice misrepresenting them. So there was a whole bunch of stuff that we could see. AI is a totally different animal. And here's why. So AI is designed to simulate human intelligence. Okay. Mm -hmm. And human intelligence is never going to style. Now, we have had automation since the 40s. We've been automating our companies. It started with Industrial Revolution. 
which started even by the 40s, but we saw roboting into the factories. And at that time, people resisted them, were skeptical, they were doubtful in life, they thought it was a fad, people were losing their jobs, it was creating a lot of hysteria. Like in my presentations, I show kind of the history of this because when you start to when you start to put the pieces together, you go, Oh, I get it. we've been through this before, actually, many times every single decade for the last 200 years. We've gone through some technological advancements that scared the heck out of everybody in the world. And they've all said, oh my gosh, we cannot have this. This is going to take over humans and kill us all. It doesn't. It just replaces your habitual actions, your, your, your repetitive routines. It replaces the value that you're providing for a little bit. It displaces. It's not even replaced. It just displaces you for a while. You just right. become not valuable for a few moments in history, okay? And then you <laughs> upskill yourself and you start to integrate because- if you know anything about it's called spiral dynamics, the integration of human consciousness, and it was the part, uh, I think it was uh, Don Beck. And then I, I learned it and evolved uh, the evolutionary version of from Ken Wilber, who's an evolutionist. Anyways, but the evolution of consciousness and what happens is we, we have a new evolution of consciousness that scares everybody and gets reintegrated back in. And then we go, okay, I know how to work with these things. And that's what they did. Everybody was scared of the machines. And then, you know what? People evolved. They learned to do different things. And now we have factories and, you know, they produce at light level. Yep. You know so, what it is? You know what it is, Kane? I was going to say, it's probably them watching too many movies like Terminator or The Matrix and they get shit scared <laughs> of the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and, and and no problem. I mean, it, I, I mean, we honor people's fears. It's it's, it's a human yeah. fear when things, it. when what you're doing, I mean, look, it happened during COVID, people were scared out of their minds because suddenly their business, and it was very, very complex for people. And sure. that's a really important point is that we just came out of COVID. You know what can happen when things can change immediately and suddenly our ability to produce or our ability to do things is changed. What people are looking for, what technology, everything changes, right? And when it changes in an instant, it makes it very complex for people. That was coming for everybody. If they, they can pay attention ahead of the curve or they can end up in the same situation where code changes everything. Love that. Love that. Some good stuff. But just to speak to the trend part, sorry, real quick is it's, it's, AI is getting integrated into every automation system in the world. You can't pull up an office system, a CRM system, anything, uh, you know, a, a project management system or anything that has not integrated AI into it. So understanding how to use the tools is only going to make you smarter, better, and faster at using all the tools first you've already been using. Okay. Now, if you're listening here and you're like, I don't use spreadsheets and I don't use a CRM, I don't use it. well, you're not in business then because business owners rely on technology tools to actually run our businesses. That's what we're doing right now. We're using Zoom. Technology, yep. even Zoom has integrated AI at the co-pilot into Zoom, right? Absolutely. Every company recognizes it's a major transformation. Absolutely. And by the way, I'll tell you, because we frequent these companies, we have seven researchers that work on our team and 50 developers that we're, we own that are all developing AI tools, cloning people and doing all the crazy stuff. But <laughs> we, frequent, we frequent the conferences around the world. We've been to about a half a dozen conferences just in the last uh, six weeks of AI. I can tell you that if you were impressed or you were aware of what just happened over the last year, it's nothing to what's coming. What's coming is a whole new wave. We just actually have been introduced to it. People have just been learning it. Developers are just starting to understand it. And it's going to actually pick up steam over the next 12 to 36 months. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see the biggest amount of wealth change hands ever in the next three years around this technology. Interesting. It's going to be a trillion dollar marketplace in the next seven years. You're going to see the first trillionaire who's nothing more than just one or two people and a bunch of AI agents the new billion dollar companies are all going to be, we just wrote an article called the next billion dollar company is going to be three executives and a bunch of AI agents caught the attention of Visa and Siemens and Procter and Gamble. We ended up started consulting those companies and innovation sprints and things. So the, the solo entrepreneur, the startup, the launcher, 
this grower, the scaler, you can use these tools and they ain't going away. They're just going to get stronger and stronger, and stronger. So the longer you wait to understand them, it's like saying, I don't use email. Remember those guys who said, oh, email is a fad. Look, they're gone. They're not in business anymore. You can't run a business <laughs> and not have some technology. You know, Italy is a great example of that we live in Italy part of the year and we go into restaurants where they're still taking your order down on a notebook and a piece of paper and they still handwrite the invoice and they use it. I love that. I love that, by the way. I love that, by the way. It's nothing like a handwritten note. (laughs) You love that because it's not your business, right? (laughs) And it's very sweet and cozy, right? But it's totally unscalable. And a lot of these business owners, they're one bad month away from going out of business because they have no systems in their companies. True. It's too expensive for them. Everybody's grumpy. They're all there working 24-7 because they can't get away from their companies. They have no systems. And when you have no systems, you are the system. And that might have worked till now. But now with AI, things are moving way too fast. And your competitor is now riding a motorcycle and you're riding a bicycle or walking for that matter. And you're simply not going to be able to compete. You're going to go out of business if you don't start to pay attention to these tools. Love that. I was going to ask you, actually, um, from your perspective, when we take the world of entrepreneurship and, and 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 sort of the business owner world or whatever it is what area specifically if we take ai what area of entrepreneurship do you believe ai would make the most impact in the world of entrepreneurship any thoughts yeah well um so we've ripped apart a company to 3116 different activities and actions and we've got ai tools that can actually help either do all those or do them, do those activities like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% so that you can get a lot of your time back. But if you want to meet at zero in a couple of areas, we certainly tend to start in marketing and sales with small businesses because they're obsessed with lead generation and conversion. There is a point where that's not actually so important anymore because you've got your lead channels and your, your conversion happening. And now it becomes a game of systems and scaling and recruiting and training and leadership. It's a different game, right? But just for those that are just getting started, the first thing they want to understand is how do I build something of value whether it's a product or service or technology, and then how do I find people to buy it and how do I sell it to them? That's the first step of this. We call it you know, product market fit. And that's the very first step of every business. Okay, We've run 40 of our own companies. Everyone starts, every business starts like that. That's how Apple started. That's how Microsoft started. They had to create something of value and then find the first customer and get them to buy and then find the second customer and then find the fifth customer and find the 20th customer, right? So one of the areas that it's making a huge difference in is all the actions one has to take to lead generate well, let's even start with product development. So if uh, if the, if someone's listening here and they're in uh, coaching, consulting, uh, advising, that kind of thing, and they create digital products or they create mm-hmm. uh, anything for whatever they sell, even if they create their own practice, right? To, to, even in their practices, they can be using AI tools to help them there, right? Um, if you're if people are listening and they're property investors, they're real estate agents, or they they still have to seek out financial advisors, accountants, uh, specialty clinics, um, you know, legal firms, uh, lawyers, or individuals, anybody who's got to find a client and then convert them, they can use these tools. And as an example, just to give very concrete examples, we've got tools that literally on social media platforms, for example, mm-hmm. like on LinkedIn, we've invested in a company that essentially can go and scan your entire network on LinkedIn and create personalized hooks to engage anybody in your network based upon their profile. So right. I can make suggestions and be like, oh, hey, uh, this guy, Adam Strong, is in your network, Kane. Well, he loves doing podcasts. He's uh, based upon his sentiment analysis of his profile. He's relaxed. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he enjoys travel, um, and he's just a, an overall kind of jovial person. Great. Let's create a hook. Hey, and, and then I, I click on a button and it's scanned your profile and it's created a hook. 
hey, Adam, we've got a really cool podcast coming up. We thought maybe we could just chill out and just have a quick a conversation about entrepreneurship. We'd love to invite you uh, to be on our podcast. Would you be open to having a conversation? These AI-generated hooks are creating somewhere around 7 to 80% engagement. Wow. Whereas if you reached out cold with especially generalized, because that's how most people reach out. They'll reach out and they'll go generalized. Oh, Adam, I have a, you know, the copy and paste to automate. So automation without AI is a lot of repetition, right? It's not personalized in any way and it's not human simulated. So if I copy and paste it into my network, hey, Adam, we've got a podcast and we do X, Y, and Z and we've had this, would you be interested in being on it? It doesn't feel personal. And so you may or may not respond. And the actual response rate is somewhere between two and 5%, right? That's tiny. With these tools, we're getting between 70 and 80% response rates. Then I've got another tool on LinkedIn, for example, that can then engage you. So Adam writes back, he goes, uh, well, sure. Tell me a little bit more about the podcast. Now I've got another tool that can actually engage in a human-like form with Adam, nurture him, pre-qualify him, and book him on my calendar so that we can talk without me having to do anything. Wow. So that's pretty cool. That's one 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 millionth of an example of things that we're doing with these tools. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, and then it goes into sales. I mean, let's say let's say I'm I'm a coach and I do I sell high ticket stuff, right? And I've got to have a, a Zoom meeting with a potential client. They, you know, so my wife and I we charge two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to work with CEOs and executives and founders of their businesses to help them scale up. Our our private clients are seven and eight figure scale ups, and we yeah. help them. And then we've got workshops and trainings where we we work with launchers and and you know startups and things like that. But anyway, so when we're gonna when we get referred a client or we a client hears us speaking like a Tony Robbins, we had, you know Tony Robbins we had eighty six people from his audience ping us and say I want to work with you in our businesses, right? We have over 110 <laughs> companies waiting to, to hear back from our team right now. It's like, it's insane. So we we speak a lot or we get referrals. They still want to meet with us on Zoom and say, hey, is this a fit? I'm not going to just drop a quarter million dollars no matter who they are, how big their company is, unless I know this is the right fit. Even in a large corporation, they got to justify why they're putting a quarter million dollars or something, right? right? So we get on Zoom and we have a, a meeting, a sales meeting, a conversation, discovery meeting, right? Whatever you like to call it. And so now we're using this new tool. Prior to using this AI tool, we were closing about two out of 10. Um, and after using this new AI tool that we're using, it's called Poised, it gives us feedback in the moment about how we're doing in the conversation. So it could say, hey, you're talking too much. Ask some more questions. I get that a lot, as you can probably tell. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> love that, love that. Love or it that. says, hey, you're talking too fast. Slow down. Or it says, you've been talking a lot. Tell a story. Okay, and then when it, when the person on the other side talks, it's doing what's called a sentiment analysis. Sentiment analysis is tools that can analyze the voice or the image or something, and they can analyze the sentiment, the emotion. And they can say, okay, this person is feeling anxiety or concern. They have some fears about X. Here's an objection. And then it can list the possible responses that wow. I can give so wow. that objection can be handled. Wow. So, I mean, so now, now we're closing six out of 10. And that's tripled our, our private practice. We're now doing, you know, millions more here with it instead of whatever we're doing. And the point is, is that these are simple tools that when people understand they exist, how to use them, how to implement them, and how to engage with them, they turn you into what I call a superhero. You become a superhero entrepreneur. It's like, you know, like Iron Man, you get in your Iron Man suit and you got your <laughs> AI you know, Jarvis guiding you around and you're flying around. And it's telling you exactly where to do, and where to go and what to do and how to optimize your flight path and everything. And you can't compete with no one can compete with Iron Man. Iron Man wins every time. Why? Mm -hmm. He's got an AI tool and he's got his automation. It's all set up for him, right? And that's what we're doing with entrepreneurs now. It's helping them quadruple their businesses in you know, weeks and things. Love it. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned LinkedIn a lot in that conversation. By the way, I don't know if you saw that, but on LinkedIn, they bought that new AI tool out. Did you see that? Just recently, yes, yes. Recently, yeah. yeah. That's I what I'm saying. It's 
It's crazy. It's like, oh, I don't know what to say. So I'm going to use the AI tool from LinkedIn and maybe they'll create something for me. Correct. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that you're, you're, what I'm saying is this is not a trend. This is getting integrated into every platform in the world. But it's also, I mean, it's a big deal, but it doesn't need to be like a big, scary deal. It's just, it's a it's a new technology that is completely going across the world. It's like when the computers came mm-hmm. out, it's like, yay, computers, let's learn how to use them and then let's use them so we can get ahead. Steve Jobs used to say the bicycle, the, the computer rather is a bicycle for the mind. <laughs> and so to me, AI is a motorcycle for the mind. It's going farther, further, faster. And you need to learn how to ride that motorcycle just like they don't let you on a motorcycle without learning how to ride it. And then when you do, you can go further, farther, faster, or a car, if you like that example better. Absolutely. But you're not going to be able to walk as fast as the car. You're never going to be able to walk as fast as the motorcycle. And if you're not using AI, you're the one walking, and everybody else is riding their motorcycles and driving their cars. There you go. Listen, I know we're coming towards the end of our conversation because I know you got to jump and stuff. But just before we go, I know that you've got various um, events happening. I know you've got the AI summit coming up soon or whatever it is, but what's, what's the best way for people to follow the events that you're hosting and stuff like that. And how can kind of people plug into more, more about the information that you're teaching about AI? What, what can, what, what, what's the best advice? Yeah. Well, so although you, you got me today, I, I do everything with my wife, who's a serial entrepreneur. She's from Italy. She's from Rome and she built nine uh, successfully, wildly successful eight figure companies in, out of, uh, out of Europe tourism and in, in events and all sorts of things. So you, if you follow us, you want to go find us online, you're going to look at Kane and Alessia. Mm-hmm. You can go to our Instagram, you can go to our social channels, uh, you can go to our websites, whatever you want. You, you'll find us. I mean, if, if you, you jump online, you, you Google us for a second, you got it, right? Sure. Yep. Um, and then just jump into one of our events or one of our upcoming webinars or one of our funnels or something, and you'll get some information on things we're doing. Um, and then come join us. And, you know, we like to have a lot of fun. As you know, now my background's in entertainment. So we use a lot of music and media and fun and play and jokes. And it's just let's have fun, right? I mean, love that. It's, even with Richard Branson, when, when Richard, Richard and us, we did about seven events where we brought Richard to, for we started going to Richard's events. Then we started making events and inviting Richard to ours. And we all just became, you know, colleagues. And, and I remember one event we were running for, uh, for all of us. And he came in in Vietnam to keynote it and, uh, he got there and, uh, you know, we hadn't had time to go over what we were doing. And I said, Richard, do you want to go over the questions we're going to ask you on stage? And he says, nah, he says, let's just have fun and everything. <laughs> That's Richard Branson for you, ladies and gents. Absolutely. Well, listen, Kane, I just want to say thank you so much for spending some time with me and jamming. This has been a lot of fun and play. We've really enjoyed ourselves. I absolutely enjoyed it, man. It's been really cool to hang out. You got it, yeah, I appreciate cool. it. Thanks very much. And I hope uh, I hope it's a good value for your audience and it gets their brains going yeah. that they've got to get started and, and involved. I'll tell you, it's only going to get more involved, more complex, more integrated. So it's very important to start here right now mm. and be involved. I mean, look, I mean, you know, <clears throat> what's interesting, I'll, I'll give you one last thought on this for about the future, which is sure, virtual reality and the metaverse and all that stuff. When it came out and it was this big media thing, it actually went away for a while, and here's why. They realized that there was a step missing. And the step missing was when people went into the virtual reality, they went into the metaverse, there wasn't enough interactivity. Okay. So it it's they're developing in the background, they're where they're working on it. They realized it was actually gonna take them more years. And the thing that was missing was the interactivity with other people. So what has been realized is that right now, by utilizing these AI tools, we are training them. Because these AI tools require training. They're just like humans, like growing a baby. They require exposure to 
situations and training and language and communications and interactions. There's about a billion interactions a day on ChatGPT right now, and it's training the AI engines. Mm. And so what you're going to see is that these are going to start to, this is a precursor or a beginning to the virtual reality, the metaverse that everybody got excited about, but it was a little too early. Mm-hmm. You know, we started to see Microsoft acquire Activision. Those acquisitions indicated the beginning of something and everybody went, oh, it's all in the news. Oh, now it's gone. See, it's just a fad. It's not a fad. You're just not hearing about it because the, the news decides and curates what they want to talk about, whatever's hot and sexy right now. But companies invest in things that emerge years later. <clears throat> so AI is not something that just happened overnight. Mm-hmm. These companies have been investing in it, <clears throat> working on it for decades. Mm-hmm. So, and, and even to some of you, I mean, maybe at least five or six years, right? And so what happened with the uh, the, the uh, VR and the, the metaverse stuff, it's still coming, but AI is a precursor to it. So getting involved with AI is just the beginning of getting involved in a, in a series of um, industries that are going to explode and become the way of life five to 10 years from now. So it's very, very important that people take this seriously now and they don't wait five or 10 years, they're going to be lost. And even the entrepreneurs that are running businesses now, if they don't take it seriously, you will be working for our kids who are taking it very seriously. I got a 14-year-old son who's working on you know, doing RPAs, which is robotic process automations with AI tools. And he's starting to build stuff for companies at 14 years old. Wow. Those people will be working for him if they're not investing in it because he's understanding the future. Yep. So you don't, I mean, there's the old saying, you, don't, you can't teach an old, an old dog new tricks. Excuse me, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not true. You just need to have commitment. There's not that much effort, but you need to put in some. You need to invest a bit in your company and yourself. The minute you stop investing in yourself, you stop growing. The minute you stop investing in your company, it's dying. So you just need to decide what your future is going to be. You get to make the choice. Love it. Love it. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gents. Um, first of all, just want to say again, thank you so much, Kane. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, for you guys that have been listening in on the podcast, of course, hope that you've enjoyed mine and Kane's, Kane's conversations. Of course, feel free to connect with him on uh, social media. We'll put all these links below, of course, and check out la- some of the latest events that him and Alicia is running, of course, that are running a lot of events online and offline, of course, and they're speaking around the world. So listen, Kane, just want to say thank you so much, brother. Really appreciate you again. And uh, yeah. Hopefully we can collaborate and jam again, my friend. You got it. Thanks very much. Appreciate the opportunity, Adam. And I hope uh, your audience gets some good value out of that. Take care, guys. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Take care. See you soon.